Um, all right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, as you know, this episode for everybody listening is a little bit different. It's a two-parter, an AB maybe you might say. Um, we did a video over on the tube, uh, the YouTube-y, uh, kind of telling our friend's story um, through, I guess you could say, uh, figuring out what it's going to take to be parents, maybe. Um, it's our friends Aaron and Carolyn, Richie, Aaron's next pro wrestler, I mean basketball star, uh, <laughs> all around good dude. Uh, and we're getting to sit down today, and uh, him and I are getting to record our, our segment of the podcast. Uh, our wives recorded their segment earlier in the week, and so far so good, I'd say. Uh, so Aaron, hi, welcome to the show. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, thanks for doing this, even though it's not my... Uh my forte, I guess I would say. I'm usually pretty quiet. Anybody that knows me knows I, I don't like to talk a whole lot. I think we had a text interchange at one point, and I was like, hey, man, I'm sorry for not really saying much. I was trying to get to a workout, and you're like, less words, better. <laughs> yeah, that, that's me for sure. I feel like that embodies you 100%, yep. which should make it kind of interesting because um, I know your wife is the opposite. She, uh, she loves to talk, like not in a bad way, just that's who she is. I know she she will she will talk and and keep going and, and talk some more and she'll she'll go away for a little bit on a little tangent and come right back and give you some more info. But I think that makes for a dynamic uh, duo, if you will. Like if everybody's the same, it's kind of old, kind of annoying. Like you don't really get much done. Um, but let's just go ahead and jump right into it, man. Um, y- we are discussing uh, your guys's journey through trying to have children naturally, right? Yep. And trying to figure that out and walk through that. And then now you've arrived at adoption. So we're going to talk about everything in between from the start to, to where you're at now, um, through the highs, the emotional lows. Uh, but then I kind of want to hit on mostly your perspective as, a, as the husband in all of this, as the potential father uh, as well. Um, so if you can, just in a nutshell, give everybody a general story, background story. Okay, so um, me and my wife, Carolyn, we've been married for eight years. Um, met in high school, started dating at the end of the high school, kind of like the high school sweethearts. Uh, we're always kind of in a long-distance relationship throughout college and in our 20s until we finally got married and got in the same place together. Um, we had always planned on having children and starting a family and doing that. We wanted to, you know, enjoy our first two to three years of marriage, though, just us, you know, exploring things, going around, having fun, and just getting to know each other. And just always thought, you know, when it's time to have kids, we'll, we'll just have kids. You know, everybody else we know just has kids when it's time to have kids. And so about um, almost about three years into our marriage, we decided to kind of start trying um, what really prompted it was my older brother. They were having their third kid, and that was going to be their, their last one. And we kind of decided, you know, it'd be nice if we started a family and we could have a kid close to that kid's age. And so, um, and so that's kind of when we started going through the whole journey of actually wanting to start a family and figuring out how to do that. And so that, that starts... Um, you know, just the, the natural way, you know, you just kind of pull, pull the goalie, as they say, and just what happens, happens. And then all of a sudden you're going and six months later, you know, nothing's happening. You don't know what's going on. So you go 
kind of to the Carolyn goes to the doctor to find out and they go, you know, give it a year. We always tell people to give it a year and then come back. And so after about a year, um, nothing's still happening. And then so you get referred to a fertility specialist. Mm -hmm. And then so you start going through that journey of going through all these different things and trials and figuring out what's going on, tests, and you try a few different things. Um, I don't know if you want to go into detail of what all those are right now. No, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to it, you yeah. know, at some point. But two things that you kind of said already. Uh, high school sweethearts, you know, classic story. And then you're like, oh, yep, when it's time to have kids, we'll just have kids. Do, do you think that's a common misconception for a lot of people as they just go get married or whatever? And they're like, oh, we'll just have kids when it's time to have kids. And it's not always the case, is it? Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a misconception. I mean, people just think that because, I mean, the norm is chances are you're, you're going to be able to have kids. You know, I mean, that that's pretty, pretty normal. The the unnormal is just for some reason not having them or not being able to. If that kind of makes a little more sense. But yeah, I mean, you, you don't you don't think that that's going to be a problem for you. Yeah, for sure. Was that kind of a shock for you is like you've never had that cross your mind? I mean, that's had to have been the first time. Yeah, um, I come from a big family, um, brothers and sisters, lots of cousins like everyone in my family has lots of kids and so it's just like well I'm you know it seems like a pretty fertile family <laughs> everybody's just popping out kids literally every year in my family and yeah it never crosses your mind that it's going to be a problem then when I don't know if using the word problem is the right word is that the right word um you know I mean it's like anything in life you know and you something doesn't go your way it's a problem that you got to figure out and that's actually a good point now that I kind of think about it, you know, because if you're talking to my wife, she'll say it's a problem that has to be fixed. Mm. And that's the way she looks at a lot of these things. And I don't know if that's necessarily wrong to think that way, but I don't know if it's necessarily a problem. You know, it's just kind of what's it's kind of what your path is in life. It's just life. I mean, yeah, it happens different for everybody. Yeah. Everybody's got their own journey and this just happens to be our journey. So. So as you're realizing this, you know, um, it's very, I feel like it'd be very easy to be like, it's one person's fault. It's another person's fault. You know, like we can't have kids because birth control, it screwed me up. Like we can't have kids cause you're infertile. Cause I'm infertile. Is, did any of that happen at all? Or, I mean, it's, it's obviously a very difficult news to have told to you. Um, but it's also very easy and I'd say human nature to start thinking you're the problem individually. Did that happen at all? All right. So now, so, so we're going deep here, here pretty quick with something like this, you know. Um, so yes, for, for sure. Um, that, is, that is a very um, realistic feelings and emotions that you have. And that is very hard to come through. And a lot of couples don't make it through the other side of infertility because of some of the things that you just brought up right there. Really? Yeah. Um, so the way we've always kind of gone through, so what happens with us, um, to this day, it's still kind of unexplained infertility. Hmm. Um, but most, most likely unexplained for you guys or just in general, uh, unexplained for us. Okay. Unexplained for us. Um, after everything that we've gone through, we've, we've done what they call, an IUI. Mm -hmm. um, we've also done a few cycles of IVF. Mm -hmm. 
And through all of that, we still have not come out on the other side, you know, with a healthy, healthy baby or healthy child. And most likely what that's due to is what's called endometriosis. And that would be in Carolyn, in the female, mm -hmm. and in her reproductive organs. And it doesn't necessarily prevent you from getting pregnant or having a baby. There's plenty of women that have endometriosis and get pregnant and have children successfully. But it can definitely hinder that and um, create problems for that happening. And so right now, that's the only thing that could really explain mm. what's going on. But even the doctors that we've worked with will say, you know, that's it's still we still don't know exactly why. And then they, they really don't know why endometriosis actually happens. There's a bunch of different theories of why women get it, but they, they know how it affects their reproductive organs at least. And so we, we go through this whole journey um, with all of that. And it's very hard when your wife comes to you or, you know, says it's because of me, you know, it's my fault. Um, you know, me per like Aaron, all of my tests come back just fine. Everything looks mm -hmm. perfect. And then she has stuff that comes back like that. And so, you know, your natural reaction is going to be, you know, it's my fault there's something wrong with me. And that's, I can't imagine, you know, her being that person going through that. And it's hard for me to watch her um, say stuff like that or have those feelings. So right at the beginning, whenever it first occurred to us that, you know, we're going to have infertility struggles and that it's quote unquote, her fault. Um, I knew right then that I had to be very intentional about the way I talked to her and the way that I made her feel about this whole thing. And so right from the beginning, I would always tell her, um, you know, I, I did not marry you or I don't love you because of your ability to have children or give me children. Mm. You know, I love her for her. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my kind of pet peeves is when people will talk and they'll say, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's her, like it's her, isn't it? They'll ask you, is it, is it him or is it you or is it her? Mm. You know, who's, whose problem is it? Who's the infertile one? And I just want to be like, we're, we're married. You know, we're, we're a couple, we're one. It's, it's our infertility because, you know, it's both of us. It's a team ever here. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't have kids on my own, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not going to go have kids with someone else. <laughs> And so I, I, I try to be intentional with that and let everybody know that, no, it's, it's us. Yeah. I try to kind of nip that in the bud really early. Yeah, that's got to be a big deal because it's, I mean, how you would respond, especially with all the treatment, like going through some of the treatments and the IVF, and it's got to be a roller coaster of emotions, you know, and then walking, I don't want to say walking on needles, but I mean, you want to make sure that you're saying something that's not going to, I guess, quote, make it worse, right? Yeah. And I mean, you're married. You, you kind of understand that sometimes being married is walking on needles for certain things, or you feel like you have to. Um, like, like me in my marriage, I feel like sometimes I'm the protector. And sometimes I feel like I have to protect my wife's feelings. I have to protect her heart. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that men are called to do that for their families and their wives, no mm -hmm. doubt. Mm -hmm. But at the other... <laughs> Also, my, my wife is very strong, yeah. and she is very independent, yeah. and she's very brave, and you know all of those great qualities, and she doesn't necessarily need me to, to protect her like that or protect her feelings, 
And so kind of sometimes I do might do it a little too much when she actually needs mm. to express herself. If that no, yeah. I mean, makes a little sense. You definitely want to, timing is a, of the essence, I guess you could say. Yeah. So being able to read the situation and understand. Um, when you guys started going down this journey, did you, how quickly did you realize that you were going to have to, as the, as the husband, as the guy, um, be careful with what you say and really guard these emotions? And uh, I don't want to say uh, craft a response that wouldn't cause something, but like just be really sensitive towards the situation. Like how quickly did you realize that? Did you, were there times you screwed it up? You know, is it a trial and error thing? Yeah. So, um, after a year of us just trying on our own mm-hmm. and then we go to the doctor and we try our first, uh, fertility treatment and they say, you know, it's probably because Carolyn has this going on. And that's when I first kind of realized like, wow. Um, and mainly because, you know, she got really emotional. That's when she first had those feelings and started saying stuff like, you know, it's me, it's all my fault. Um, you know, I can't do this for you and I can't give you children. And, and she starts saying those things to me and it kind of, it breaks your heart for someone that you love so much to, to feel that way. And for them to almost feel like that's the only way that they're validated mm-hmm. to you in, in this marriage. And that, that really broke my heart. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to, I don't know what I'm going to have to do, but I'm going to have to be silent and think about this. Mm-hmm. And be very careful in how I speak to her and how I talk about it and how I approach it. And uh, um, I'm trying to think, you know, did I do a great job of it in the beginning? I'm I probably not, yeah. just because I don't know. It's uncharted territory. Um, I, I am the type of person, though, like we were talking earlier, like I'm a very silent person. I like to sit back and listen mm-hmm. and take everything in. And before I form an opinion about anything, before I talk on anything, Mm -hmm. and this is really no different. Um, But sometimes, I mean, you you say things that are trigger words or will trigger emotions. And, you know, we we get in fights about it. Um, Sometimes she'll accuse me of being too silent or too reserved or too, you know, just sitting back and not speaking up. That's probably what she gets more mad about than anything Mm -hmm. but for me it's always been kind of easy just to like be supportive and just kind of like hey you know what it's okay this is just our this is our journey you know and we'll go through it together whatever that means and and we'll figure it out it's it's all okay It'll, it'll work out would you say that as other dudes might be listening to this and um they're going through this in their marriage uh, would you say that you're not going to have the right answers right away? Like you're not going to know exactly what to say. You're not going to have almost any answers. And, <laughs> but, but, the, but the whole thing, just in anything in life, you, you got to realize that's okay. I don't have to have the answers. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't necessarily have to have any answers. But like in a marriage, when you're going through a trial, even in any relationship with anybody that you love and that you know, if you're going to go through a trial, they just have to know that you love them. Like, hey, I love you for you. I don't love you for anything that you can give me or provide me or do for me. Um, you know, we'll figure it out together. Hmm. Now, you also said um, she was going through a lot where 
she felt like she wasn't worth anything because she couldn't give you kids. Mm-hmm. Um, had you guys always wanted kids from day one? Like you just knew straight up. I know you said you come from a big family uh, and high school sweethearts and everything. Had that always kind of been like your typical, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to start a family, it's going to be this. And well, So the way, the way you say it right there is like, so that's Carolyn to a T. Oh, really? Like she's Miss Itinerary. So and she yet. had itinerary for family even. <laughs> Uh, you, you've met her. She has an itinerary for almost every single thing that she's done every day of her life. This is how we're going to do the dishes today. We're going to do step one, two, three. Yep. Anytime we go on vacation, itinerary. I got to know the itinerary. Oh, man. And so she definitely has that, and she has that um, that view for her life. Okay. Like, hey, you know, I'm going to, as soon as I'm done with high school, I'm going to go to college. As soon as I'm done with college, you know, I'm going to get an internship. As soon as I'm done with that, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get this job. Which there's nothing really wrong with that, if you really think about it. I mean, no. That, I mean, professionally, she's phenomenal, right? She's oh, phenomenal yeah. all the way around. But, like, you need some of that in life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, but even just, like, personally, it's like, you know, I'm going to get married. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're going to do this. And then we're going to have kids. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do this. And so that's kind of how she thinks. But also just going back to, you know, think about when you're first dating someone and you're getting to know them. And what do you guys do? You, you kind of dream about your future. You talk about your future. It's how you get, that's how you get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, hey, you know, do you want kids? Yeah, of course I want kids. How many kids do you want? Me, I'm like, I want like five. Really? I want a bunch of kids. You want a whole homestead? <laughs> yeah, I want to give me a whole, you know, starting five basketball squad. <laughs> you know, that's perfect for me. And she's just like, you know, I one, two, you know, one of each should be perfect. But yeah, I definitely want kids and I want to have... Yeah. A family growing up and so you talk about those things you dream together and then you know before too long you're you're falling in love for real and you're still talking about that stuff and you get married and now you're actually doing it yeah you're trying to do it yeah trying you to know, do it it's like a trial and error every day it seems like mm-hmm. you know some days you could get it some days you don't and you start adding all the kids stuff into the mix um so as you guys are continuing to walk through this uh you're you're walking you know emotional not pins and needles, but you're just being very cautious, very wise. Um, how did you stay grounded as, as husband? You know, like what was kind of your, as husband, as potential father through highs, through lows, and you, you can even hit on some of the examples of the highs and the lows where it was like difficult, but like it's, it's one thing to, I guess the example is you can only pour so much into other people before realizing you also need to be poured into, right? Um, so what, where was kind of your anchor or your uh, your thing or your place to keep getting poured into and encouraged? Yeah, so I, my Carolyn accuses me of being a sloth. What do, what do you mean by that? Uh, a sloth, just because I'm not, not necessarily lazy. I'm just yeah. laid back and, like I said, really quiet, slow, slow to move, slow to, to, to talk or to, to act on a lot of things. And so that's completely different than her. And so that's just kind of my personality in general. And I think that definitely helps in this situation. But, um, you know, for me, just my whole life, I've always been kind of reserved in that way. And also, I don't want to say, you know, a lot of people say, I don't care about anything or I don't care what people think about me or none of that stuff matters. I don't, not necessarily like that, but I've never been the type of person to let anything like get to me. I've always been pretty positive. Mm-hmm. You know, I owe a lot of that to my family, to my parents, to my dad, who always instilled just, you know, positive thinking and, you know, everything's going to going to work out. Did this challenge that though? 
oh yeah, for sure. And it still challenges it, you know, to this very moment. Um, but as far as just being like an encourager, um, you know, I had a couple mentors in my life, um, you know, that just kind of showed me, you know, what it actually means to, to be married and, you know, and how that, how that looks. And so I'm very fortunate for that. Um, I like to think that I have a pretty strong, uh, Christian faith mm-hmm. that gives me an, an anchor on how to act and react and, you know, how to be wise in certain situations. At least sometimes I'd like to think I am, <laughs> mm-hmm. whether that's true or not. And so that would definitely be where I get, um, you know, my strength for these situations. Um, so as we're going through all of this, you know, you get the highs and lows. And like I said, when I first realized it's going to be a problem, I just, in, for some, somehow I just instinctively knew that I had to, to be supportive and I had to make sure that she knew that, you know, we're in this together. I'm not going anywhere. And so, um, highs and lows, there's, well, there's, some, let me, let me pause you real quick. You, yeah. s- you said something twice now, uh, not going anywhere. Like if, if you think it's your fault and you also said at the beginning of this thing that a lot of couples that walk through this, uh, they don't come out the other side. Um, how much of that is just, I, I feel like in today it's all emotional mm-hmm. driven, um, in today's world predominantly like, Oh, I got all the feels or whatever. You might not have all the positive feels walking through something like this. How much of it is just a conscious choice and effort of we, we are like, I, this is who I love. So, um, that's a good point too. So I think (laughs) that brings up just a good problem in just today's culture and people with the concept of love in general. Like what, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) The Roxbury's at that one. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so, so, so we have such a, just a misconception of what love actually is. And you see it just in kids and then adults growing up and just getting married or saying, I love this person. And then all of a sudden, oh no, we're getting a divorce. You know, I don't love them anymore. I think the cruelest thing you could ever tell somebody or the cruelest thing you could ever possibly say to someone is the words, I don't love you anymore. Ooh. How, how on earth can you not love somebody anymore? Because all of a sudden now you're taking the word love and you're using it um, as a as a feeling, mm. and the word love is actually an action. Really, explain. So I, so to me, um, you know, if you look like if you read back, like even in the Bible, and they use the word agape, and the word agape is a word for love, and that word is actually an action. You know, it's a it's an action towards something. So for me, it's like. You know, I, do I love my wife? Yes, I love my wife. It's not a feeling that just floats in my stomach. Like, I love you now, but I might not love you tomorrow because emotions are fickle. You know, one day I'm happy, one day I'm sad. That's emotions. And if love's an emotion, then obviously I can love something one day and I cannot love something another day. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said that's, I couldn't imagine somebody telling me that. Mm-hmm. So to me, love's an action. I have to get up every morning and I have to choose to love my wife. Mm-hmm. And easier some days, a lot harder on a lot of other days. But I have to actually choose to love her. I have to choose to love her, you know, when she's sad. And I have to choose to love her when she's happy, which is a lot easier. And I have to choose to love her when she's struggling in life. And I have to choose to love her whenever 
she thinks that, you know, she's the reason that we can't have kids and that she can't provide a family for us. And so I, I have to be just from day one. That's what I said. You know, I have to choose to tell her I'm not going anywhere because to me, love is an action. Well, since we're talking about this, excuse me, since we're talking about this love is an action, um, it almost, if we're breaking it down here, um, when you, when you coin it that way in my mind, it immediately goes to, uh, it, it takes the idea of love being contractual out of the equation. You don't meet these requirements anymore. Therefore I no longer love you. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, that's what unconditional love is. There's no conditions. There's no strings attached. There's no, you give me kids. Therefore I love you. You give me this. Therefore I love you. She does not have to do a single thing for the rest of her life or for me, for me to quote unquote, love her. Including, including, including giving kids or becoming pregnant and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that. She doesn't have to do a single thing. I choose to love her. Um, and it's kind of weird how that works for human beings. It's like you meet somebody one day and you're just like, man, I, I don't know what it is about this person, but I really like them. I want to be around them. I want to lift them up. I want to see them grow and I want to do life with them. And you're like, Oh, maybe I love them. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what that is. And so, yeah, you know, um, yeah, I'm going to choose to choose to love her every single day through, through everything. You know, there's no conditions. She can't, she can't wake up one day and, you know, do something that's going to make me say, uh, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. I don't love you anymore. Uh, you wanna, I don't know. You want to buy too much patio furniture. I don't love you anymore. Yeah. Right. Oh man. <laughs> so with love being a discussing love, and I feel like this is a great, um, I'd say piece of encouragement for any other husband that might be going through this is to remember, you know, what is love? And yeah. talking about these things. Um, and I know one of the things in interviewing both of you uh, for the video segment, we, we kind of talked about, or Carolyn really talked about finding um, community of people that can understand uh, what she's going through that you might not be able to understand. And that's no fault of your own. Uh, there's just certain things that are different, right? Uh, for you, was that the same thing? I know you said you're kind of quiet, kind of introspective, maybe sloth-like, according mm-hmm. to... Miss Carolyn, um, but as far as like her talking about support groups, things like that, is that a a thing on your your end of the spectrum here? Um, you, definitely. Anytime you go through anything, you got to have something or someone or some people that you can talk to or kind of share with, and that's definitely a problem of mine. Where I, you know, like for her, it's I think it's a lot easier to go to somebody and share her problems and talk it out. Um, for me. Um, I could tend to kind of go inward, you know, and just kind of take it all in and soak it in instead of, you know, putting it all out there to talk with somebody and talk through it. Um, a lot of times I just feel like, you know, I don't need to talk about it. Like I'm, I'm fine, you know, and and a lot of times I I am, you know, I've just let things kind of just roll off. But to say that, you know, I didn't have anybody that I talked to about it would, would not be true. You know, I've got brothers that I talk to mm-hmm. about all that stuff, and I got friends that I consider brothers mm-hmm. that I can talk through all the stuff that we kind of share the same values in life and and that sort of thing. Sort of thing. And while they can't necessarily relate because they haven't gone through that, they're not going through that. Um, it's just a good ear to listen, and I know that they're listening to me. So it's kind of important to it's kind of important to find that community, um, whether they understand or not. Is 
it's healthy for you as an individual to have that outside community. Yeah. And, and for me, I, I never actually, like my, my wife, she goes, like she has support groups that go through the exact same thing, you mm-hmm. know, infertility and loss. Is there a support group for? That's actually, um, there might be. Mm-hmm. I've never ran into one. Really? At least like, you know, like a local one that I can get together with uh, like other. Every Tuesday night. Or... Yeah. yeah. And that's what she has. She has a group that, you know, they can get together every single week and talk or they can message each other like that. And so while I'm sure there is, I don't know, I don't know of one and I don't think it's as prominent for the men because it's always considered a female problem. You said earlier that kind of bothers you when people ask who's the infertile one. Does this, is this the same thing you'd say? It kind of bothers you that it's not as, I don't say bother maybe isn't the right word. Um, All the light gets shed on the female side, Mm -hmm. but there's, you guys are married, you're one, you're having a kid together. It's just as much the male side. Does that? Yeah. And I, I think um, the, the main thing the guy needs to talk about um, is one, and this might sound kind of bad, but how to deal with your wife. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, men... I feel need, like we just went to like uh, Thirsty Thursday and we're talking, oh man, <laughs> i deal with my wife. Yeah. I mean, men need that in general, right? How do I deal with my wife? Gosh, I don't know. But that would be something that, that men need. That'd be something that I, I need. You know, I, I kind of learned going through it just myself, how to deal with, like, mm-hmm. that sounds bad, how to deal with it, but just how to, you know, how to talk to her, how to listen and do those sort of things. Right. Um, that would be very helpful, I think, for other guys just to, you know, how, how do I interact with my wife in a positive mm-hmm. way? Um, and the other thing is just dealing with, like, for me, um, you know, I never once thought that, you know, I wouldn't be able to have a child of my own. Mm. You know, a biological child that looks like me. You know, I'm I'm tall. You know, I'm like six seven. <laughs> you know, I'm always like, man, I can't wait to have a a son. You know, that's going to grow to be tall too. You know, yeah. what's that, that going to be like? And so that that's really tough to deal with when all of a sudden you're faced with, oh wow, I might not have my own biological kid. You know, <laughs> and that's it can it can be very depressing. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you're dreaming of that forever, and then it's like. Boom, smack in the face. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so that, that's one thing that I, you know, I talk with Carolyn about, mm. but I don't necessarily have other people to talk about. I mean, I have some some Christian mentors that I can talk to that stuff about, mm-hmm. but they also have not gone through that either. Right. You know? So there is an element of feeling alone, trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime yeah. you go through any trials or anything like that in life for sure interesting i mean i, I say interesting because it's you're 100 percent right any of the trials there's going to be an element or a, a season where you just feel all alone and it's like there's nothing there but that goes back to where you're saying having some type of a community that can come around you and support is it's worth its weight in gold yeah um so you guys are going through uh everything and you're learning the support factor <laughs> Uh, I want to touch a little bit on at what point does in your guys's brain, cause we'll get, I want to get to the, the being parents here towards the end. Um, cause there is a, I guess you could say knowing you guys, knowing your story, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, right? There is a awesome Jim, thing. There's always light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> no matter who you are, <laughs> no matter what you're going through, 
And I'm, I said that to anybody. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what you're going through. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. Well said. Well said. <laughs> um, even for our dog, Willie. Yep. Um, so you guys are going through an enormous amount of emotions together. Um, and I feel like everybody starts and it's this very lovey-dovey thing. Um, and then you start having to introduce, would, would you say introduce science or introduce medicine? Both. Both. Yeah. yeah. So it, it becomes a very, um, I'm going to go ahead and call it a scientific process then yeah, at, at it, some point. It starts to feel very unnatural, no so, doubt. So I would imagine that brings challenges in terms of um, feeling intimate. Is that, is that fair? Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. What? Talk about that. <laughs> that. I mean, it's, it's not just to talk about that, you know, it's, it's definitely a very, um, heavy thing I, I would say, but I also feel like in thinking through some of this, it's a, I think it's an important aspect that you don't necessarily realize until you're going through it, you know, or like how, like, you know, those things you take, you take it for granted until it's gone type of deal. Mm-hmm. Is, is this an element that comes into play and in walking through all of this is it's now a very scientific process. Yeah. So I'm sitting here trying to, to lay out my thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, it is very heavy, very important, um, intimacy. Um, cause there's other struggles that come along within yeah. that own struggle. Yeah. You know? But no, this is, this is a very, very good thing. It's a very real thing. And it's very, um, it's very prominent in going through like infertility. Mm-hmm. So when you, whenever you start going, doing fertility, medications, injections, interventions, all of these different things, um, intimacy gets lost in the equation. And for a healthy, successful marriage, intimacy is very, very, very important. I mean, what is intimacy? I mean, boiled down, it's, it's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, how well do I know you? How much can I show to you? How much can I reveal to you? How vulnerable can I be with you mm-hmm. and then that that get that gets really tough it gets lost especially sexual intimacy mm. throughout this whole whole journey and so I'll, I'll laugh and I'll joke with my wife and even with like close friends you know I've, I've, I've had <laughs> I've had more sex with a cup <laughs> in the last five or six years yeah. <laughs> than I have with my wife that's not really true but right right but I, I have done that a lot yeah and so you're going, as soon as you start going through all of this, you're, um, and you mean that just to be clear for people, uh, listening, you mean that in terms of being able to provide for, yeah. So, so whenever you start this whole thing, um, they, they, first of all, there's, there's all the testing that they want to do because they want to check, they want to check mm-hmm. the male sperm, make sure everything looks good, make sure it's healthy, make sure your numbers are right, make sure it's fertile. And they do the same kind of testing for women too. But for men, when they do that testing, <laughs> you want to hear a funny story? Sure. So for men, when they do this testing, um, you have to go and give a, a, um, a sample so that they can test. And there's a couple of different ways to get a sample from a guy. Well, there's really only one way, but, yep. there's a couple <laughs> but there's a couple different ways you can give it to them. So I remember the first time I find out, you're like, hey, you have to go get your, uh, your sperm tested. I'm like, oh, okay, so what exactly does that mean? Well, you know, you're going to have to, you know, <laughs> give them the sample. Okay. 
So there's two different ways we can do it. One, you can we can give you a, a cup and you can do it at home, but you have to keep it warm until you get here. Well, the two different places, offices we would go to, one would be down in Indy, Ooh. and so that's like two hours away. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And then if the office in Fort Wayne is open on certain days for that sort of thing, you can go do that one. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, you know, obviously it's like, yeah, I'll just do this at home with my wife and yeah. and do that, but it ne- never worked out. Because, you know, she's working, I'm working, we're trying to fit this into our schedule. And I'm like, right. I'll just go to the office and do it. Like, yeah. that's perfect. And so I don't know if you've ever seen some movies where, like, guys will go do this, but you walk into an office, and then they have this little room mm-hmm. that you go do your business in. And it's so, and it's, it's, it's really awkward. So the first time I do it, you go into the office. And if you're a guy in this office by yourself, everybody knows what you're in there for. Yeah. Because there's only one reason a guy would be in there by himself. And so it's an office usually of all women, nurses. And so they, they call you back. Um, they show you this little room. There's a little room with a little couch. And it's got like a sanitary blanket on it. <laughs> There's a little TV with like a VCR oh, <laughs> or man. a DVD player built oh, in. Oh, man. And so you have this, you know, I'll never forget, just had this, this sweet female nurse, mm-hmm. you know, showing me everything. She goes, well, here's this. You know, here's this TV. Here's this couch. Um, if you open up this drawer, here's um, yeah. choices of entertainment. Oh, wow. And they have categories <laughs> for oh, you wow. to choose from. And they're like, uh, would you rather have a magazine? Or would you rather have like a DVD? Or Very matter of fact. Yeah. And, so, and some people, you know, their, their wives will be with them to, to help them do that. But obviously, she's like working or in different places. And I'm just like, you know, I'll just go get it done with. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's really weird because she's walking you through it. And then all of a sudden she goes, and here's your cup. Mm-hmm. And she goes, and, you know, whenever you're done, he goes, just come out the door and, and we'll be waiting. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm just like, oh, all right. Yeah. Um, and I'll never forget, she hands me the cup and I look out the door and she walks right around the corner to the room, to her office on the other side of oh. the room, right next door. Yeah. And... <laughs> And so you're closes the door and you're in there and you're trying to like, um, all right, how do I, what how, do I do? how am I going to do this? I got to get this done. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's just an awkward thing because there's these female nurses standing right outside your door and they're talking about where they're going to grab lunch. Yeah. And you're sitting there like, do I look at this entertainment? I got to get this done. Go through yeah. it. I gotta fill this cup up. Yeah, and you're just sitting there, and it's you start sweating, and it's 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 awkward. Yeah, yeah it's really awkward. It definitely puts the pressure on, you know. Yeah, but I'll, I'll never forget that. And you're just like, I they know exactly what I'm doing in here. Yeah, but but you know what? To them, they they see it every day. It's their job, you know, and you know they're used to it. It's nothing. But for me, for the first time, we've never done anything like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty scary. Is it weird being a married man having to do something like that with your wife not present? Um, yes, but also no, because, you know, it's got her, like, it's got her blessing. Yeah. Like, Hey, we need this. So yeah, she's like, I don't care. <laughs> do it, get it done. Yeah. That, that sort of thing. But then some of that back to the normal, the, the, uh, conversation narrative here, uh, does play into the intimacy things, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so like that scenario I just explained to you. The mm-hmm. first time, super awkward. I've probably done it almost 20 times. Really? In the last five years. Wow. Just for different things. You got to, sometimes you, you always got to give them samples to test. And then whenever you start going through um, 
doing IUIs and IVFs, they take those samples and that's what they use to try to get pregnant. Right. And so I've had done it a lot of times. Um, but yeah, so back to the whole intimacy thing, just when you're going through all this, all those years and you're, and you're doing, you're doing shots, you're doing injections and then you're doing all of these different interventions, which by the way, peep the, uh, peep the video. If you want a funny story about giving an injection <laughs> in the middle of a wedding. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, um, there's a, a time frame you got to give injections and it waits for nobody. It doesn't matter <laughs> where you're at or what's going on. You got to give those injections right at the right time. So going through all of this and the injections and everything. Yeah, you, you lose your physical intimacy. Mm. Um, it just, it, that would be one of my, my biggest um, words of advice is to try to keep that somehow and mm. try to try to force it. But it's, it's very tough because you're going through and you're, you know, you're, you're giving samples here and then she's going in and getting injections or I'm giving her injections, you know, every other day and you're doing all of this and all of a sudden you guys aren't intimate as a couple physically because of all of that, because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm too tired. I don't feel like it. My, my hormones are, you know, up, they're down, they're all over the place, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's really tough for a few years. So, um, one of the, the nice things right now, so we decided, um, in January that we were done doing like fertility intervention mm -hmm. and treatments. And so for the last six months, we've been trying almost like to learn to be intimate again. Interesting. Um, and it's, I mean, yes, you kind of pick up where you left off, but at the same time, it's like, man, we haven't been like this since, you know, we were newlyweds. Right. You know, and so you're just trying to, to figure each other out again and, and that sort of thing, you know, intimately, physically. And it's been, it's been really nice. Oh, I bet. Because you lose that. And that can be a reason that a lot of um, couples break up, mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm a husband and I'm not getting that attention or physical attention or physical needs from my wife because of all of this that we're doing, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I need to go get that from somewhere else. Is that a constant thing that you have to fight in your head? Like in, um, in this, in the middle of walking through it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a human being, mm -hmm. you know, I have <laughs> what I think are, are needs that, that I have to have. Yeah. And of course, of course you have, you have thoughts like that. Um, anybody does, mm -hmm. but so then what, and for you, Aaron Ritchie, what kind of got you through that? Um, I would, I would go back to the whole, the whole love scenario. Mm. You know, I, I love my wife and I want to do life with her mm -hmm. and I'm going to try to figure it out. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have, you know, you, <laughs> you lose some communication with all that kind of stuff. And then, and then you try, um, I don't, I don't have a good answer yeah. for that besides that, you know, we'll just, we'll just go through it together. Mm. I feel like that's a good enough answer though. Like it, it's not going through it together. It's you might have these, um, is it fair to say temptations when you're walking through that or these, uh, poles, um, or the loss of the intimacy, but it's remembering that you're walking through it together. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, you're going to have temptations in life like that being married and just, just physical temptations just in general in life. Mm. Um, going through something like this, it probably enhances that. I, I won't 
deny that or say it doesn't mm. because I mean, the, the, the stats are out there about couples that go through infertility and the amount of them that end up not together mm. is overwhelming. Mm. So yeah, there's definitely some, some facts to that. Um, but man, um, our, our marriage is more than that though. Mm. Would you, would you say in terms of your marriage now on this side of it, since January, you guys made the decision, uh, you're going to be done. You're going back to, I think you could say, quote, I'm doing air quotes here, of <laughs> relearning intimacy um, or picking up where you left off. Yeah. Would you say that you guys are stronger now on this side of it as a unit? We're, we're yeah, we're definitely stronger where we are right now, just as a couple being married mm-hmm. than when we were, when we started our mm-hmm. marriage for sure. Um. You know, for the last six years, it's weird. I feel like we've only been identified as going through infertility, trying to have kids. And it's, it's, it's been, um, I'm trying to figure out what I want to say here about that. So, so all, all we've known for six years has been like the exact same thing. You know, it's like, I've been, been, it's like, man, let's do something else with our lives. Let's change something for six years. It's just been go to the doctor, try to have kids, go to the doctor, try to have kids, go to the doctor, try to have kids. And we've been doing the same thing for six years, over six years. It's exhausting. And you just get to the point where you're just like, you know, I want to move on with my life. I want the next phase in life. I want the next steps in life. Cause you're just, you just feel like you're just stuck Mm. in this cycle of just, you know, Go to the doctor, try to have kids. Go to the doctor, try to have kids. Do this medicine and do that. And then, you know, you, you have all these different things that happen. And it's, yeah, it's it's a, it's kind of just a brutal cycle. And so now you guys feel like you're beyond that where you're starting to build to the, what's, quote, next. Yeah. And so what is next? So, um, so after going through all of that and for anybody who might not know, um, we, we did have a couple of successful um, IVF transfers, oh, snap. you know, where you get pregnant. Mm. And um, so we, we actually had three miscarriages between nine and ten weeks. So you have three children yep. unborn. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so and so those, yeah, so, so those are successful um, implantation or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. There they just never made it past the, the first trimester there. Mm. And so the doctors, you know, it's like, okay, now if we found out we can get pregnant, you know, with a little bit of intervention from the doctors, but now all of a sudden, you know, they can't figure out why the the child won't make it past 10 weeks. Mm. And so that's another unexplained thing. And so that's very scary, um, especially for uh, the female, because they're the ones that have to have to go through all that physical stuff. And if you, if you don't, know what a miscarriage is or, or how it works. Um, and I, I never really knew until I go, go through these ones, man, I don't wish that upon any, really? any woman in the world. No. That is, God, it is a, just an emotional devastating thing to go through. And that, that's very tough and not knowing why that happens. It can make you scared to get pregnant. Mm. Um, and so just after, so the, after going through all of that, and that's part of the reasons in January we decided to 
you know, to not really to try that anymore, at least, at least with intervention and using doctors for all that. Um, so one thing that we'd always talked about, um, you know, even like what I'm talking about when we're dreaming, you know, about our families even before we're married and we're talking about how many kids you want. Let me pause you real quick because yeah. I feel like this is going to be an important question for people that are listening going through this. Yeah. Even after the fact, making this decision to stop with like the treatments and everything in January is that fear. Um, you said, I think it's the fear to get pregnant knowing that you had children mm-hmm. in there. Um, is that fear still exist? Yeah. So, um, so she had a, a surgery in January that just like went in and cleaned out the endometriosis. So a surgery to, to remove as much as you can. Cause that's, that's very painful for women. Um, it makes a lot of things painful, it makes their periods very painful. It makes mm. sexual intercourse very painful mm. and it causes just a lot of problems. And so, um, yeah, so you can have like a, a surgery that kind of removes that to make things more comfortable and she and she feels a lot better now that's good and so we we've kind of made the decision like you know we're not going to necessarily actively pursue getting pregnant but we're not going to prevent it either so if it were to happen you know awesome but still kind of but still very she's i'd be lying if i didn't say that she was scared to death of being pregnant after going through three Mm-hmm. Three losses there by the ten week mark, mm-hmm. and and me too because I last thing I want to go through is another miscarriage, right? You know because it's that's very 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 tough. Um, it's very heartbreaking to be in the doctor's office excited after seeing a heartbeat for the last four weeks. You you know you go in at go in at six weeks, you see a heartbeat. Seven weeks heartbeat, eight weeks heartbeat, and you see these heartbeats. And then you go in there and that that tenth week. And you're holding your breath, and all of a sudden there's no more heartbeat. And I, I mean, I, I, I can't explain it. You know, just how devastating that would be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's tough. And so yeah, so that's what you're scared of. You're scared of getting pregnant because you're like, I can't go through that again. Right. So, you guys are moving now, and you're not doing anything to prevent it. You're still, I don't want to say living in that fear, but maybe okay with with having that fear as you're going through intimacy again and kind of picking up where you left off uh, before all the treatments. But you guys are also adding another unique element to this. Um, you're, you're pursuing children still, but in a different way, right? Yeah. So like I was saying a minute ago, you know, one thing we always talked about before we ever got married, when you're talking about how many kids do you want and what do you want to do? Yeah. You want your little basketball team. Yeah. Oh, and, not little. You're and, giant. <laughs> and we were both on the, same page from day one, you know, well, I, I would like to, you know, adopt, I'd like to adopt a child, at least one child, you know, mm-hmm. and give someone a family like that. So we're both on the same page of that from day one. You know, we have, why we have friends that are adopted. We have friends that have adopted and, um, we're just big believers in that every child deserves, you know, a family that loves them and a chance, a chance at life mm-hmm. with a loving family. And we're just, we're both on board with that. You know, our, our church is a big orphan care church. And so that's one of the reasons we love, love it there. And so we've always just been like, yeah, that's what we want to do. Mm. Now, saying that, you know, growing up or talking about early on in your marriage and mm-hmm. being a couple and then actually doing it are two different things. You know, you, we, we, our, our plan 
and I got air quotes going on, be married a couple years, you know, have our own biological children. After we have our own biological children, then we'll adopt some children. That was the plan, you know? But, I mean, life's got other plans for you, and it usually always does. And it usually smacks you in the face. <laughs> and so... It's like, uh, what is it that Mike Tyson says? You can apply that to life? Like everyone's, Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. I don't think he says it that well, though. He's got a little bit of the... No, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so adoption became a very... I guess maybe you didn't expect it to become so real, but you always had it in the back of your head, but it became very real very fast. Yeah, uh, and and we knew that, I mean, almost the first time that we start going through fertility treatments, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe... You know, maybe adoption is going to be, you know, a lot sooner and a lot more real than what we thought or planned. Domestic, international? Uh, so we, we'd always talked about that. We know people that have done all different kinds, and we know people that have been adopted from all different places. Um, but we, we kind of decided that we wanted to do domestic adoption. Why? You know, we, we talked about it. We, we, we prayed about it together. Um, we just think that there's so many just cases of just orphans right here in our backyard that, that need families. Mm-hmm. And you so know, you're talking like hyper domestic, like Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Fort Wayne, maybe. Um, could be. It, mm-hmm. it most definitely could be. Um, I, I, yeah, but I, I can't explain necessarily, you know, why domestic versus international other than just the fact they're like kids here need a family and they need people to love them. And we're, you know, we're able to enter into that. And so that's what we decided. Um, so we, it's, it's, you know, we decided to stop doing like the fertility stuff in January Mm -hmm. and we just, you know, enjoying each other, enjoying being married again. Mm -hmm. And part of the other process of that, um, this is very important and I don't want to miss it or miss talking about it is grieving. Mm -hmm. Like any, any, any type of loss you ever go through in life, it's important to actually grieve and grieving is perfectly okay and you need to do it. And so we had to grieve a few things. First, we had to grieve um, the losses, you know, the miscarriages of, of the, the life that, that could have been. And then also when you're deciding to kind of shut that door, you need to grieve the possibility of ever having your own biological kids. Mm. And that's, that's heavy. Yeah. When I first thought about it that way, I'm just like, wow, that's, yeah. Yeah, I might not ever have my own biological kids, and that's something that, that you want to do your whole life. You're going to have to grieve that. I mean, I never really thought about the weight of that until you said that. I mean, it's it's your offspring, your blood. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only human. You know, that's... Everybody wants to have their own biological kids. I mean, I'm sure not everyone, but, but you know, I mean, most, most guys want to have a biological son, Yeah. you know, that, or look, daughter, or, hashtag girl dad. Yeah. You know, but that looks like them, that has their characteristics or qualities that, you know, can carry the, the family legacy. So in part of grieving, through th- that's two points, right? What's the third? And then what? How did you? I don't want to say get over that, but you've you've talked to me off camera before, um, that there's an element to being a dad that's not necessarily always having to do with having your own biological kids. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, so for the last six months, you know, we were grieving those things. Mm -hmm. And then we're learning to be intimate together. And then I'm grieving the, that I might not ever have my own biological kids. Mm -hmm. And so you, that's what we've been going through. And then we probably hit about May. And then we kind of start talking, you know, maybe, we, you know, let's, let's really look into adoption. Mm. You know, let's, maybe that's the way that we're supposed to have a family and start a family. And maybe that's, that is our journey. And then so we start, it was probably about April. We really had those conversations. And then this whole, um, you know, coronavirus hit and COVID. Yeah, and stay at home. And We're six feet apart, by the way. Yeah, and, and my job's already remote. I already technically work from home, right? and so I'm just like at home all the time now, and so we're talking about, you know, moving forward with adoption, and, you know, where do we start? We, we don't really know where to start. We have a lot of good resources. Our church is an awesome resource. We know a ton of people, and so, all right, what are we going to do? Well, let's start talking to people. And so in April, we start talking to people. Mm. We're talking to friends that have adopted, family that adopted, friends that have been adopted. Mm. Um, we go to our our church's um, like a information setting about you know what to expect. Do you want international, domestic? What do you need to be able to do it? And you start just learning all these things. So all of April, we're learning all of these different things and kind of decide and to hone in on exactly where we want to go and what we want to do. So we, we settled on doing domestic and this and I have to decide on how you're going to do it. You know, are you going to go through the foster care system? Are you going to foster to adopt? Are you going to do a private adoption? You know, how, how are you going to do it and what are you going to do? And, um, that's, it's just like a, you know, overload of information trying to figure all that stuff out and not having any idea on what the right way but is I would, to go. I would venture to say there isn't necessarily, and my wife and I don't have kids. Like we've barely begun, I'd say the conversation um, over the course of last year. Yeah. Um, it It's a, how do I say it? Uh, I feel like you would agree. And I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So please say you're wrong or whatever, but I feel like you would agree. Every child deserves to have a fair upbringing, a good upbringing. Uh, and it, it stinks that there's so many that just don't. Like they're born into a situation that's not that. Yeah. You know, and adoption becomes a, um, I feel like it's easy to look at it in a cynical way, um, especially within certain bubbles or certain uh, cultures maybe. Of, oh, you just do it because it's the, quote, Christian thing to do. Or, oh, you just do it because your church does it. But I feel like it's a deeper thing than that of really, truly being able to, uh, I guess, help or be a father to somebody that wouldn't necessarily have a legitimate, caring, loving, nurturing father figure. Yeah, so, so can you explain a calling. I mean, can, like you probably have your own personal calling in your life. I mean, I think I do. I still try to figure it out every day, but I mean, but. You, you have something and you can't necessarily explain where it comes from or why it's there. I, I can honestly say, um, my whole life I've felt called to adopt 
mm-hmm. and I've, I've known that for a long time. Interesting. And, um, and to kind of get something that I may not have even ever told my wife, mm. um, is just during our whole, um, journey, I've known that we were called to adopt mm. and I may have even been sitting there thinking in the back of my mind, you know, you know, I'm ready to, to go ahead and pursue this. But there, you know, there's just some things that you don't necessarily um, kind of just put pressure or like necessarily like when you're going through all that stuff, like I'm not going to sit there and kind of push that at certain times. Right. But, you know, for, for me, you know, at like as you said, like as a Christian, one of the things that we're called to do is to care for the orphans and the widows. And I, I have always felt a calling to, I've always loved, I've always just loved kids, interacting with kids, um, you know, watching them grow, seeing them develop and just being a part of that. I've always been more comfortable. Like if you, if we go to a party or a gathering and people have their kids there, most likely you're going to see Aaron hanging out with the kids than the adults. Yeah. There's just something about just just the innocence of a child mm-hmm. and just they're just just wide-eyed just want to have fun and take everything in and enjoy life and I just I just love I just love hanging out <laughs> with yeah. them you know and and just playing with them and and we're just watching them learn things and, and grow um so I've always felt called that I was going to have to or like that I would want to adopt children and I I believe every child deserves to have a chance um, like you know, that. every, every child deserves to have a chance to do something great in this world and, to, or what they want to do, you know? And so if I can enter into that in some way, mm-hmm. then yeah, I'm going to, and that's, awesome. and that's where we're at. And so, yeah, why do I want to have children? It is for that reason. I want to be able to, to see, you know, the next generation grow up and go on and do great things. I want to somehow be a part of that i I mean yes 100 percent, like tenfold uh i think it'll be huge it it, that leads me to ask kind of a and some of the last few things here um that that i wanted to touch on uh, unless you got anything else like a word of advice to people uh but really man like long season of this do you think you're at a point where you're excited Oh yeah, excited and scared to death. <laughs> so, but that means something good because typically when those two are together, that means you're headed towards oh, something that's uh, good. I think that's the I think that's the recipe for great things mm-hmm. in life. You know, anytime something great or um, life changing is going to happen, it's going to be very scary, but it's going to be very exciting. Mm. So we're going through. We're deciding if we're going to, you know do foster care, do domestic private adoption. We're going through all these different things and we finally settle on a domestic private adoption. Mm-hmm. We, we really want to experience having an infant. Mm. And so that's kind of how we arrived at that. We didn't come to it just all willy nilly. We, we prayed about it. We talked to people we've, and um, that's kind of where we, where we settled on. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of people will go, well, why don't you, and 
um, I guess how we kind of came about that, because people will want to know, and they'll ask the question, well, why didn't you just, you know, go through foster care, go through that system, Mm -hmm. and foster to adopter, how did you decide how you're going to do it and who you're going to use? There are, so our our foster care system, um, I don't know exactly how I want to put this. It's not the best. Not no, not necessarily. Oh, well, I mean, it it could always it could always be a lot better. It makes it very tough to do a lot of things, mm. but I think the people that that do it are awesome people, and I think the social workers that do it are awesome people. You want to talk about a calling in life? That is that is definitely a calling, and we we have we have friends, we have close friends that do foster care, and we have close friends that are adopting out of foster care. the The hard thing for us. And deciding that was, you're not necessarily and guaranteed to be able to adopt out of that situation. Mm. So foster care, their whole goal is to reunite families. Awesome goal. Mm-hmm. And they want to reunite the children with their parents or with other family members that are able to take them in, you know, and be their legal guardians awesome mission and so but that but that's what they want to do and so you only really get to adopt out of foster care after every single avenue has been closed after they've tried every single thing they can to reunite these kids with their families and that might go on for years Talk about another emotional roller coaster there and so and so knowing that and knowing friends that are are currently doing that and that they are awesome 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 people and just going through the losses and everything that we've gone through, right now, we just don't feel like we can go through, you know, another loss like that if, if we don't have to. Fair enough. And so that's how kind of we decided to just go ahead and do like a, a private adoption, you know, where, you know, where we're going to end up with, with a child, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we'll raise and as our own. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how we we came to that decision, and so yeah, so we 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 interviewed a couple different adoption agencies um, here in Indiana, and we settled on one, and that was it's just gone really fast since we decided what we were going to do. That's the exciting side. Yeah, it's exciting and scary. So usually they tell you once you get the once you actually um, you know sign up to use an agency, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna be at least a year, a year out before, you know, take you, you guys get, are a lot quicker than that. You, it's been so quick. And part of that was because I've been at home. Yeah. So whenever you, you go through one of these agencies, you have to fill out everything. I mean, they want every single piece of information on you. It's like taxes times a hundred. Oh, okay. And so they, they want all your financial records from the last couple of years. They want all your medical records from the last couple of years. We did like five background checks. And so, Luckily for me, being at home during this time, I've been able to just knock it out. Usually it takes people months to get all the stuff done, and I had it done in like a week. Wow. <laughs> just That's got, impressive. Just getting all this stuff done because I was like, oh, I'll just get it done. So where are you guys at in the process then? Do you, are you thinking, um, or is it looking like, that you'll adopt by the end of the year? Yep. So, so you cannot adopt or foster without what's called a home study. Mm-hmm. They basically have to make sure that your home is acceptable environment. And they also have to interview you to make sure, you know, you're mentally stable mm. to do that. 
And so we did our home study um, about two weeks ago. Mm. And we did all of that. And usually that takes about another month or so. And she had it already done and back to us in a week and a half. Wow. And so right now we're waiting just for our, um, we're just waiting for our home study to, to be official, which it could happen this week. So once that becomes official, the timeline could just be literally in two weeks, you could be parents. Yep. So, so once our home study is done and approved and official, um, I mean, technically we could have a, we could get matched Mm -hmm. with a birth mother or a child in a day, or it could be a year. Wow. There's really no telling. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. And and a lot of that has to do with um, when you kind of filled out all of your profile on what, on who you will adopt and how. And I don't know if that's a discussion you want to get into today, but that's... <laughs> we'll have to make that a part two. Yeah. Because I feel that's, like that's a whole nother bag of worms. It's a whole nother bag of worms is going through the adoption process and figuring all that out. Mm. But where we are right now, we're excited. We're scared to death because it's going so fast. We, we could have, honestly, we could have a child placed with us in a couple weeks or it could be a year. Dang. Um, there's no telling. And so that, that's both exciting and very scary. Like you said, that's the recipe for awesome though. Yeah. And I know whatever's going to happen is it's going to be perfect. It's going to be the way it was supposed to happen. And, um, you know, the nice thing is that I I have a partner that, you know, we're going to go through it together. Mm. I like that. I feel like that's a good, uh, good word, good closing word there. You know, um, real quick, if you, I like to do this just with everybody, uh, whether it's somebody that owns a business or uh, telling a story uh, like this. What's your word of advice for the next group of people? The next generation is typically what it is. Uh, my question is going to be, what what's your word of advice for another husband slash potential father um, and walking through all this? If you had to just quick little, hey, this is what I'm telling you from my experience. This is my advice to you. <clears throat> oh man, words words of wisdom. Never thought those would come from me. Um, but I do have something to kind of share just about marriage and maybe just relationships in general. Um, you know, I talked about love and how love's an action. Um, so obviously that is near and dear to me, and I think that's first and foremost. Um, but another part of that um, would be what I would call joy versus happiness. And so going through a marriage, being married, um, if there's one thing that I can't do for my wife, I can't give her joy. I can't necessarily give her actual joy. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that has to come from her and she has to have that on her own, you know? So no matter what I do, I'm never going to be able to make her happy. Um, and it's not my job to make her happy and it's not her job to make me happy. You know, um, that I think there's a difference between happiness and joy. I think happy happiness is more of like an emotion that comes and goes based on what happens to you. I think that's where the word comes from is what happens to you. Mm. So that's how I'm going to react. Whereas joy is to me is something that's God given and it comes from the creator and so as long as I'm tapped into that joy, um, I don't need somebody else to give it to me. 
Now, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't, you know, try to make my wife happy and do things that please her. But if I, if I rely on her to make me happy in my life, I'm going to be up and down my whole life and I'm going to have a skewed view on marriage mm-hmm. and relationships. You know, well, she should be making me happy. And that's just not the case. You know, I got to get that from, from somewhere else, from a, a stable constant. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that's my advice. Don't expect someone else to, to make your happiness or break your happiness. Um, that's not their job. Your job's just to love each other, be there for each other, support each other. But I can't expect her, you know, to give me happiness. I feel like that's well said beyond just the adoption story. You know, I feel like that's well said for everybody in life. Yeah. I mean, just in relate. I mean, if you go through your life, just viewing your relationships like that, um, it'd be really, really tough not to have good relationships. True story. Well, hey, man, thank you for, uh, for hanging out for a little bit and kind of chatting through uh, some deep things, some fun things. I appreciate it a lot. No, it was awesome. It was, um, like I said, a little, little different for me to open up and actually talk out loud. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's good. You know, you kind of work through your thoughts and, and even learn things about yourself. <laughs> it's, a, it's a healthy thing to do. Uh, we just decided to hit the record button today, and I, I like it. It's good. Well, I appreciate it. Um, we'll be sharing this out. And uh, for everybody listening, uh, if you want to reach out to Aaron and Carolyn, um, we'll put some of their contact info probably in the description or, uh, somewhere, maybe just an email account. Um, I, I know it's going to be, we mentioned it a couple of times. It's good to have a community around you and to be able to talk to people that have gone through similar, um, life journeys. So yeah, any, any guy out there that is going through a similar thing, mm-hmm. whether it's infertility adoption or just being married or just a relationship, um, yeah, don't don't hesitate to reach out with Absolutely. questions. I would yeah, I would love to to be a part of somebody else's journey and impart anything that I've learned Absolutely. onto them. Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. I got to do that shameless plug stuff because still young in the in the podcast game. But uh, anyway, thanks, Aaron. Yep. Thank you.